Hi friends, this is episode 40 of Key Ministry, the podcast, and I am your host today, Sandra Peoples. In this episode, I have a special message of encouragement for those of you in children's ministry and family ministry who want to be more proactive about including kids with disabilities, including mental health and behavioral diagnosis. In your school district, it's likely that 20% of the students in your city are receiving IEP or 504 accommodations to make learning easier for them. The message that we share at church, the gospel, is important enough that we need to be willing to make some accommodations too in our ministries. So let's talk about why we make these accommodations and how we make these accommodations to help you make your ministry more accessible. First, let me tell you a story that happened last year at a ministry conference. It was for children's and family ministry leaders, and I was introduced to a children's minister and her husband. So I shared that I am the disability ministry consultant for our state convention and that I would be speaking on inclusion. Oh, the husband said, that's great. My wife is way too busy to think about adding kids with special needs to our church. Plus, when one of them comes, they all come, and we don't have the volunteers or the space for that. He said all of that with a smile, clearly expecting me to understand their priorities. Uh, I nodded and mumbled, nice to meet you, as I walked away and gave myself a little space. I was like unable to put together words that would make sense and communicate what I thought of their excuses. Uh, a few minutes later, I had plenty of mental responses that I could have given, like, my family is not worth your wife's time. Your church isn't willing to reach lost special needs families with the gospel. You think that we, my family, my son, are a burden to your church and your resources? And I wanted to say, would you say that about any other group of people? Would you say, we don't want to reach a family with a teenager because then all the teenagers will come? Or, we don't have enough volunteers for the preschool classes, so we won't let those families come until their kids are in first grade. Of course we wouldn't say that, but I, I just couldn't get his words off my mind in the days that followed. Even at that conference, as I, as encouraged as I was by the children's and family and next-gen leaders and volunteers who sat in my sessions on training buddies and supporting special needs families, I could still hear his excuses on a loop. No time, no volunteers, no space. I prayed about my strong reaction to his words, telling God how deeply hurtful they were, both personally and behalf of so many families like mine who can't attend church. And I prayed a phrase from a verse in Job that I turn to often, and it's from Job 34, 32, and it says, Teach me what I do not see. It reminds me that there's always more to a situation than I can see, and to run my thoughts of frustration and confusion through the filter of Philippians 4.8. That's the verse that says we should focus on whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, that we're to think on these things. So my prayer was, God, show me what is true in this situation that I cannot see. So when I thought through the list again, no time, no volunteers, no space, I didn't hear disdain or apathy. I heard fear. I realized that this was a husband trying to support his wife in her ministry calling by protecting her limited time and energy. 
So he saw how she dreaded Saturday night text from those once-a-month helpers who couldn't make it yet again. And he listened as she told him how the ministry budget was tight, but that the playground needed a new layer of mulch before summer. He knew his church's recent baby boom was a blessing, but a growing ministry needs space, and the nursery and preschool rooms were already full. So when he met me, he didn't hear an opportunity to reach families with the gospel. He heard yet another strain on limited resources, and he feared people with disabilities and their families would want more than his church and his wife were able to give. So there's a story in the Gospels of a group of people who also had reached their limits and uh, a story of a gathering with no more room. And like what often happens in churches today, in Mark chapter 2, a person with disabilities was cut off from accessing Jesus and the people who followed him. But instead of excuses and fear, we read what can happen when friends make a way to reach Jesus. So Mark chapter 2 verse 1, it starts... With And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic man carried by four other men. So these men wanted to bring their friend to Jesus. They had likely heard of his reputation as a healer, and hearing that Jesus was in a home, they saw an opportunity to get their friend close to him, because at this time, people with disabilities were blocked from having access to the temple. And because they were cut off from the temple, they also were cut off from the community that was built around the rhythms related to worship, sacrifice, and feast. No temple meant no community. So this paralytic man was in a really desperate situation, a situation made worse by his inability to save himself. But his friends had hope. They just had to find a way in. Verse 4 says, And when they could not get near him, near Jesus, because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. So these friends had the same challenges we are faced with. They had no time. Like Jesus may have only been passing through and been in this town for a short time. They had no extra volunteers. It was just up to these four friends. And they had no space. They literally couldn't even open the door to get their friend to Jesus. But instead of these being hindrances they couldn't overcome, they used them as motivation. Like I can almost hear their optimism. There's no time like the present. We can do it together. We can't get through the door, but we can make a way through the roof. These friends overcame the challenges and found a way to get their friend to the healer that they had heard about. But Jesus' reaction may have surprised them. From verse 5, it says, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. These men thought that they were coming for their friend's healing. What they found was the gospel, the good news that Jesus can forgive sins and create new life in all of us. This is the good news of the gospel message. The gospel message is why we do inclusion. 
We do not do inclusion so that a visitor doesn't rant on our town's Facebook group about how I took my son with autism to that church and they kicked us out of the service. We don't make things accessible because we could get sued if they don't, right? We do it for the gospel. We modify lessons. We provide noise-reducing headphones. We give support to the kids who struggle to read so they can hear and have an opportunity to respond to the gospel. I say this to every church that I talk to. The goal is the gospel. So we started with why we do accommodations for the gospel, but let's talk quickly about how we do it. How do we support families and include kids with disabilities? How do we decrease our fear and find confidence in an area we don't have any experience in? The good news is there are lots of resources to help. You are not the first person in children's or family ministry to ask these questions. There are so many solutions and support systems. You don't ever have to feel alone as you take these steps. Let me first start by saying that there are links in the show notes for everything that I'm going to mention. Go to keyministry.org slash podcast and click on episode 40. So there you'll find all the links that you need. Okay, so the books that I want to mention. The first one is Every Child Welcome by Katie Weatherby and Jolene Philo. It is a ministry handbook written especially for children's ministry leaders who need help including children with disabilities into their existing ministries. So that one, again, was Every Child Welcome by Katie Weatherby and Jolene Philo. If you want something a little broader, like more research-based, I recommend the book Including People with Disabilities in Faith Communities by Dr. Eric Carter. That's Eric with a K. It shares a view of inclusion for every stage and expands the help for different ministry settings because, as we know, Kids with disabilities grow up to be teenagers with disabilities and then adults with disabilities. And so if you want to have a really long-term view of what this ministry could look like at your church, that is an especially helpful book. Again, it is Including People with Disabilities in Faith Communities by Dr. Eric Carter. So the second resource is websites like Key Ministry, keyministry.org. We are the ones providing this podcast to you today. You can visit our website and type something into the search bar and literally years worth of resources will pop up. You can search autism, anxiety, ADHD, supporting siblings, sensory overload, uh, trouble with transitions. It is all there. And in addition to the website resources, Key offers free consultations. So you can email Beth at keyministry.org and she will help you evaluate your current ministry and make a plan for even more accessibility. Now, I'll tell you a secret. I have been helping churches for years and Beth is the person that I email when I have a question to. She is the best and she will be glad to help you and connect you to the resources that you need. And third, of course, I want to recommend Key's upcoming conference, Disability and the Church. So it is happening in the Cleveland area, April 28th and 29th. If you can't make it to Cleveland, we will share all the main stage speaker sessions on our Facebook page. So in addition to the keynote sessions, you will get to hear the quick take presentations. The quick takes are like 
TED Talks. So they're 15-ish minutes, a quick message on a specific topic from an expert or somebody living that experience. All of those quick takes stay on the Facebook page, so you have access to them anytime. So the link to our Facebook page is in the show notes, so make sure that we have connected there. So on those days, April 28th and 29th, you can watch those sessions, and I will be the online host, and so you will see me pop up before each person speaks, tell you about them, and so I am really excited to be able to listen to all of the amazing content that we are providing for free online for those who can't make it to Cleveland in person. So let's wrap up our time together with this. Experiencing what Jesus did in my life causes me to want to make that relationship possible for every single family, especially families like mine who heard a diagnosis from a doctor or a therapist that turned their lives around and they have never been the same. So my encouragement to you is not to let your fears hold you back from reaching and serving families like mine. And remember, you are not the first to face the idea of inclusion and be overwhelmed by your limitations. But the good news is we aren't bound by those limitations because when it comes to reaching people with the gospel, God has shown himself faithful again and again to overcome those limitations and call people to himself. I am praying for you and I know that God will be at work in your life and in your church to draw more people to himself. So thank you so much for listening today, for spending this time with me. If this episode was helpful for you, we would love for you to leave a five-star rating and a review so others know it would be a good fit for them as well. And hit subscribe so that next week we show up in your podcast app again and you will get to hear from our operations director, Beth. So hope you have a great week.